Hello and welcome to episode 209 of Three Beers and Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. Barry, you're back. You've been missing for the last, what, four or five weeks? Um, we had yes. Colin come back. I, yes. I'm, I'm torn between two lovers because Colin, <laughs> is, Colin is the OG person I used to do this with, the person who you know started this, this stupidity with. But over the whole lockdown, the last like, sort of 18 months, you have been on this a lot more than Colin, so it feels like you have now taken over Colin's seat. So Not I'm... I'm very torn. I'm very torn as over who to over who to talk to. It's, it's literally just whoever's available and whoever's got time to watch things. You know, that's essentially what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. whoever one of you two hasn't got a life that week, that's what it's going to be. Because I never have a life, <laughs> but used to some things of a life. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're doing this about we're doing it via Zoom again, obviously. Um, hopefully yes. soon we make it back into the pubs, but we're not. I think both have discussed off mic. We're sort of we're being a little bit sort of more hesitant, a little bit more sensible about going back to the pubs and clubs and all that kind of stuff. We're not, we're not rushing yeah. back. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a simple thing of you've galloped through almost two years of this pandemic. Do you want to be the twat that everyone's going to be like, he caught COVID pretty much two years into it when he knew yeah. the dangers, he knew how to protect himself from it and he went and caught it. Exactly, exactly. So we're 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 being smart. We're not working out to many pubs right now. Um, so we're doing it. This is sort of, it's like sort of dinner time on a Sunday. Um, so we're, it's, it's completely acceptable to be drinking. Are you having a drink for the the podcast tonight? Sadly, not. The I know I said the other day I was going to have a beer with you, but uh, the feeling came as quick as it left me today. So I was Aye. like, I'll just have some juice. So fair enough. Fair enough. I'm on the classic, classic Scottish drink of Iron Brew. Iron Brew. Is it, Iron Brew doesn't taste right now. It tastes shite. Nah, it's just, it'll never be the same. Never be the same. No, they're taking all of that ridiculous amount of sugar out of it. It just does not taste the same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like everything in life. Sometimes you just need a bit of sugar in it. Aye. Just keep the sugar in it for no reason. Um, I am drinking tonight because I am a man and I drink on a Sunday night. Um, yeah, that's like you. Yeah. And I'm drinking, well, ice cream pale ale. Mm, yeah, you told me about that the other day. And I was curious. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a bit disappointed with it because it just tastes like a bog standard lager. It doesn't actually taste like or bog standard pale ale. It doesn't really taste like anything else. Oh. You know, mm. you kind of want if you buy if you get something weird like you, know, you want it, you want it to taste really weird. Just to like oh right, yeah. at least it does try. This doesn't it doesn't taste. It says it's supposed to taste like soft scoop vanilla ice cream pale ale with tropical and citrus notes. There's a citrusiness to it, there's a tropicalness to it, but it doesn't, there's no ice creaminess to it, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit, a bit of a letdown, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, nice, I mean, nice enough, but just it's, it's sold more than what we've given, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The name caught you and it didn't deliver. I think I got it in, my, in one of my boxes, to be honest, rather than. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's no way if I was buying beer, I would buy an ice cream pale ale. Like, 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 no. I know. It's always a risky move, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's the same with the. The stout ales as well. I've kind of learned to kind of just stay away from them. Aye. Because uh, a lot of the time they'll just, it's like fucking tar coming Aye. out the can, you know. Yes. So I definitely, you know, you know what to expect sometimes. So, um, yeah, not a bad beer from the Garden Brewery, but nothing particularly amazing. I mean, they're from Croatia, so I don't think they're going to hear this. I don't think they're going to come after us, but yeah, so no. it's, it's average, I think. It's like, it's like watching a good trailer for a movie and thinking that's a great movie and then getting sold and then you go and see a completely different movie. This yeah. this sold yeah. me on ice creamness and there's no ice creamness. 
you're disappointed. I'm disappointed it does not taste. Kind of wanted it to taste disgusting, to be honest. If I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest. Aye, yeah. Yeah. And at least then it would back up the name, you know. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, as we always do, movie news, I get nothing. Nothing of interest has passed my eyes in terms of movie news this week. What have you got of interest? Oh, man. One, where have you been? That's oh, all I'm, God, say I'm, on the map. I'm terrified of what you're going to tell me right now. <laughs> <laughs> You've had five or six weeks of not this. <laughs> yes, I'm just <laughs> Where is this going? Uh, yeah, that's literally, I just, I've heard this uh, yesterday and I was just, I was gobsmacked when I heard this. Uh, Marlon Waynes has said that he wants to make a White Chicks 2. He says it's now time for White Chicks to make a comeback. And I was just like, Cinema does not need this. <laughs> we we need top tier movies yeah. right now to get everyone back in the cinema. White chicks is not what it is. It's not that. <laughs> White chicks and I think it's Little Man or something's the other one called are my two barometers of film. If anyone says they like those films, then I'm pretty sure I will not be friends with them. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm going, okay, we have differing tastes because I remember seeing. Yes. White Chicks, I can't even saw, let me see, let me see White Chicks, let's see in the cinema, I remember watching it on DVD and going, this is objectively horrendous. Yes, yeah. You know, like not yeah. even, like not even like even a bit funny in terms of like sort of like it's silly enough to be funny, it was just fucking terrible. Yeah, it was, I actually seen it when I was on a date and. You, went, wow. you took it on a date to see White Chicks? Well, yeah, it was kind of one of those things. We didn't really know what to do with ourselves because we were too young, I think, for the pub or something. And uh, find anything I, else to do than white chicks. <laughs> and yeah, it was literally just an absolute mood killer because we were oh. like, "That is a uh, pretty much two hours of our lives we are never getting back." Safe <laughs> so, to say, you're no longer with that girl. That's <laughs> yeah, that, pretty much. I'm just going to blame white chicks for killing that relationship. To be fair. <laughs> That film is what they call an absolute mood killer. Um, ah. Yeah, I did, I did see the story of White Chicks 2 getting made or they want to make it, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm sure it, that, in the same way that there's a lot of films that I like, I like the, the like, for example, Kevin, I like Kevin Smith films, and I know some of the recent ones have not been up to Bobby people's standards, but I yeah. still enjoy them. I am pretty sure there's still an audience out there who like the way and stuff, who like White Chicks, and that's all great for them, but I will most definitely go, no thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that I feel like if this does get made and it gets green lit across the board and it comes out, I feel it will end up like pretty much in the bargain bin very quickly. You know, I don't know, man. It's something like Netflix might take it on because it's just it'll put people because they know white checks get you, so it'll be one of the things that people will still watch. Yeah, you know, yeah, as annoying as it is, you go, people will probably still watch this fucking thing. So yeah, it will it'll probably it'll probably still get viewership. But yeah, um. Yeah, White Chicks yeah. 2 does not, does not interest me. There's many films coming out this year that do interest me. White Chicks 2 is definitely not one of them. No, definitely not. So um, that's really just that. Unfortunately, it's not like that deep a dive into the exciting world of cinema, but it's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you feel my pain of, of that shit getting made. Uh, we'll mention yeah. Camel Laird's um, this season, not starting too well. They lost at the weekend 2-1 to Stafford Town. Uh, I think they're now played 5-1-1, lost 4 so um, mm. not a great beginning to the season. Uh, mm. They were top after the first game because they won the first game like 4-1 um, and it's all been kind of rolling downhill ever since. Um, so hopefully they get it back together and hopefully they can get some wins on the board because um, 
Yeah, it's going to be depressing. Now, four wins in a row. It's not, we need Ted Lasso in there to try and save them. He, he could get exactly. one out of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so good luck to the Camelers in the rest of the season. Hopefully keep going. But um, yeah, not not a good start. So uh, move on to film. The cupboards up. Yeah. Move on to some movies. So start one that's out in cinema. Put out for a couple, maybe a week or so now, because we're a bit of a gap in the last um, couple of weeks. Just because I've had a few things on. Um, the film we talk about is a film called Stillwater. Um, directed by Tom McCarthy, who directed the film Spotlight, which, which he won an Oscar for, and The Cobbler with, um, uh, oh, fuck, who is it? Wedding singer man, Adam Sandler, um, which he most definitely did not win Oscars for because it's fucking terrible. But So he's a very man who's very, very definitely yin-yang in terms of what he can, his, his content he can put out. Um, still what tells the story of a, a sort of dad Kind of a lay about that. Well, not a lay about that. Sort of a bit of a roughneck, you know, very, very working class guy from like sort of the heartland of America, going out to France in order to see his daughter, who has been held in a French prison, and um, because she uh, murdered her roommate. Um, at the same, during this, she gives him a letter to try and find someone who she thinks might clear him. He's supposed to give it to his lawyer to try and pursue this. He does. The lawyer doesn't do anything about it. But he tells his daughter she will, and he basically goes trying to hunt this person down. Um, it all goes kind of awry. Um, at the same time, you sort of start a relationship up with a young French woman, um, an actress, um, and they sort of start bonding over the um, the, the case. And also, he again comes to be very friendly with the daughter. Um, in the film, you've got Matt Damon playing the dad, Camille Cortland plays a love interest, Abigail Breslin plays the daughter, and Lilou Savard plays the, the young young daughter in it. Um, did you see us in the cinema? Yeah, did you actually go to the cinema and watch this one? I did, yes. yes. And I also get warm popcorn. So oh, it was a good day out. You had a good day out. Um I'll, I'll say I, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was really good. Like it's, mm. it's it's well told. It's it's kind of like well, I say it was good. For 80% of it, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I think it takes a bit of a twist at the end, but it, it jumped the believability shark. You know, it felt yes. like it, it that's where I kind of lost a wee bit of interest in it. But then it kind of brings itself back online towards the end, but there's a wee kind of moment in the last final, the final third, maybe a wee 15, 20 minute detour. I'm thinking, I'm not entirely believing this part of the story. Um, but for the most part, it doesn't go big, it doesn't go bold because, like, for the most, for the first fucking half hour, the only thing Matt Damon says is, like, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. He's, he's very monosyllabic in it, he doesn't really do much. Um, but he's, it's, an, it's a good performance. He sort of, you totally get who this guy is. You know, he has a sort of, it's basically like a working class rigger. No, he's um, he works on rigs. He works on yeah. Um, so it's really nicely, carefully judged performance, especially by Damon. Um, the final twenty minutes does cross the believability line, so it does make it a little bit more like fiction. The big part of this mm-hmm. film was a part. It's very much based on the Amanda Knox story that happened in Italy, um, in sort of the early two thousands. I would yeah. disagree. I don't think it actually has a lot. I think it's. There's definitely similarities to the story, but I don't think it's the same story. I don't, it's not a biopic or anything like that. It's just sort of it has no. similar sort of themes to her, um, to yeah. be honest. Um, but it is certainly heavily inspired. I would argue it's maybe about 25 minutes too long. Um, it could have been trimmed in a little bit. But aye, aye. overall, I thought it was a really well done film. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a really, it's, I was totally engaged for the whole time it was on. Like I never really sort of spilt myself, you know, walking away from it. No. But no, I, I really like What about you? What do you think of it? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same feelings, man. It's like I just I love the relationship between um, the Matt Damon character and the daughter 
of yes. uh, the relationship that he ended up sparking up with. Yes. You could see it was a a guy who's been a father before and pretty much doing it properly this time around. Yes. Like he's learned all he's he's had all his mistakes, you know, uh, and now he's just kind of being a better dad to this kid that he doesn't even know. No. And, and because she doesn't have a dad, he kind of sees what's missing, you know? Yeah. You get a sense, even not only he knows he messed up with his daughter, but the daughter knows he messed up because yeah, you make, it makes it very clear that it's sort of it's the grandmother who done the raising of her. And the only mm. reason he's in France, like sort of doing stuff for helping out in the, the prison, you know, getting a abortion and sort of being a sort of day release person is because the grandma's too sick to travel. You know, yeah. If she was if she was healthy, she'd be the one who'd be out there, not him. Yeah, um, totally. So yes, so it definitely sort of takes that point that like he's trying to sort of make amends in some way by like sort of with this young girl about the relationship that he he knows he's lost and he knows he sort of should have made more of it at the time. Mm. Um, and I think it, it, it has actually less about the mother. It's not really about the mother because it's like that because no. that's, sort of, that's kind of a lost it. When it became about the mother in the last sort of like twenty five minutes, it sort of rushed towards the like, trying find conclusion with the mother. Mm. That's when it felt like it lost. Energy. It was boring to me. That not boring, but sort of it didn't feel quite as urgent. It didn't have the same interest. And you're watching yeah. the story about how this guy is like adapting to sort of this like sort of total American Americana guy, sort of trying to live a life, live a life in Marseille. It's sort of it's really mm. it's an interest to watch. Um, yes, especially because he sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh yeah, know? he totally does. He doesn't make any attempt to blend, you know. But then it's funny <laughs> seeing him trying to learn French, you know, that kind of stuff, and you see him yeah. trying to make a life. Yeah. And that's why, if I actually, the day that I came out of the cinema, I actually texted you about it and how raging I was by the fact that his own daughter pretty much like ad- admitted to the actual murder. And you're just like, oh my God, if that was my daughter, I would just have ended her. <laughs> it's like I would have just shot her because I was back in America. <laughs> yeah. But no, but I think. I think you do get a sense at the end of not to spoil it, but you do get a sense that he has moved on. He, he knows there's a bigger world out there. Like I think the, the guy who leaves America and sort of when he's first going there, he's a guy who has a very small worldview. Like he, he probably lives in the same yeah. town he, he's he's always lived in. He doesn't really have much, you know, sort of scope to what the world is. But I think by the time you, you get back, even though he's back in the same old crappy house, it looks like hell. And like compared to what he was living in before. In, in Paris, it's like, oh, what a horrible place to end up in, like sort of Arkansas or some shit like that. You yeah. do sense that he is now a better man. He has he has seen that there is there is other other parts of the world and you feel like he has grown as a human being. Um, yeah, yeah. Probably more so than Matt Damon, the actor, has himself, based on some interesting <laughs> things he said over the past um, week or so. Um, but oh. no, I, I really did think I, I thought it was a really good film. I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was, it was definitely worth a watch. Mm. It's not particularly cinematic, I would say. No, no, you could easily watch this like in your house. I'd feel. Aye. I feel this wouldn't get lost either on Amazon or like for any streaming service. At all this would not get lost at all. Yeah, and yeah. I think right now, as much as sad to say, cinemas became sort of this thing where you go and see the big movie, the sort of the big blockbustery thing. This yeah. film might not quite get the audience because people are just going to waste not waste money, but I'm going to spend money on something that is essentially a film about four people talking for large shows. Yeah. There's, there's, there's like no real action. I mean, there's an action in it, but it's sort of like, it's just someone walking quickly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not, there's no real action action or anything like that. You know, it's not like it's, there's no explosions or any shit like that. You know, it's very much. Mm. Um, but 
nonetheless, without explosions, I thought the story was well told. And yeah, totally, it was, yeah. It was really well done, I thought, like, across the board. So as much as we're saying there's nothing, it's just people talking, it's actually genuinely an engaging story. Oh, because 100%. it does take its DNA from that real-life story that we all kind of know. Yes. You know? No, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I can get why Amanda Knox was slightly irritated by it. Um and also, I think the point was more about the fact that the Amanda Knox story is called the Amanda Knox story, when in reality, she was innocent. She didn't do anything. Yeah. You know, so like, why is the mother of her people she knew still got her name attached to it? The same idea of being like, sort of like the Monica Lewinsky affair. And it's like, well, she didn't do anything. It was like the president done something, you know? Um, and it feels, it feels sad, like, who owns you once you become sort of like public public knowledge? Like, who actually owns your story? Um, so yeah. I get why you're annoyed, but I think this film, based on the ending, differs enough from the, the the story itself that you can totally see that it's not about her. It's inspired by, um, yeah. and ultimately, like I said, the murder story itself isn't really the main story. The, the, the story is about yeah. how this guy identifies with his daughter and identifies with this new surrogate family that he's got and how he's how he tries to become not a fuck up, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's up. Yeah, yeah. Um, out of ten, what are you giving it? I'm giving it a solid seven out of ten. As am I, seven out of ten for myself. You could watch. Um, up next is one that's on Amazon Prime, um, and that is called Shadow in the Cloud, directed by Roseanne Ling, who directed My Wedding and Other Secrets. Um, and this is a film that was written by Max Landis, who is a horrible, horrible human being and deserves to never have any sort of work done again. But he apparently the script was rewritten entirely by the director, um, and she gets writing credit on it. He has come out and said that most of the dialogue is still his, um, so I'm not entirely sure where the truth lies in that one, to be honest, but I would be happy not to see Max Lannis' name on anything for the rest of time. But anyway, so that put me in a bit of a back foot with this film already, because I really don't want to see this man in a world with any sort of success. Um, so the film is set in 1940s. It's, um, it's a B-52 bomber that's flying across the Pacific. And the crew is about ready to take off when, oh my God, a woman gets on board the plane. Um, she is a commissioned officer in the US Army or US Air Force, or British Air Force, sorry. And she is needing to go somewhere with a package. They don't like women on the plane. You know, they, they're, they're all very, you would call it superstitious, all very male arseholes who think, you know, a woman's place in the kitchen. And they sort of basically dump her in a, a turret underneath the uh, the plane, basically the gun turret. While she's in there and trying to sort of deal with that, she notices something on the wing. There's a, a, a gremlin, if you will, who is attacking the plane um, in, in, in the old fashion of that. Um, there starts a sort of psychological drama between her trying to convince the rest of the crew that there's something attacking the plane. They're not believing her. And do you believe that she's seen something or is she going crazy? At the same time, the story of why she's trying to get across the Pacific and get somewhere else begins to become clear as well. And it's not everyone in this film has been entirely honest with who they are, put it that way. Yeah. Um, in the film, you've got Chloe Grace Moretz. She is playing the the, the young airwoman. Uh, Nick Robinson, Baloha Cola, and Taylor John Smith also pop up in it. So I started with the last one. Oh, you can start this one. What do you think of this one? Yeah, this was quite an interesting watch uh, for myself. I watched it this morning. And um, I... What I... What I found quite interesting was the fact that it was a World War II uh, film and it had like really modern music uh, music in it. Yeah. Uh, like especially for the opening credit bits. I kind of I was a bit hesitant once that music started. I right. was like, oh no, 
what kind of where are we going with this? But right. as the music got going, uh, sorry, as the film got going, sorry, I found it was really compelling and actually really engaging to the point where you could almost switch the screen off and this could be easily an audio drama because... Yeah, well, particularly the first, maybe the first, what, maybe two-thirds of it? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, it's, it's basically an audio drama, yeah. It is all pretty much dialogue. It's only really uh, Chloe that you see on the screen uh, for most of it, and then outside of that, the only other things that you see or hear are coming over the tannoy, over the little like, yeah. uh, intercom system. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, and it just, it works so well. Like, it really does build the tension up. Mm. And it's like, the fact that um, she's talking about, she's seen the Japanese, but also she started to see this little like gremlin thing as yeah. well. And yeah, it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. I did, I really dug it. It's kind of something totally different as well, you know. Uh, something that's a bit left field in this in these days, but um, and then she does eventually escape the little pod thing, and then yeah, the really just the actual kind of visual movie actually kick starts from there really once she gets out of that pod. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting twist on it's it's a cover kind of twist on a Twilight Zone episode. Um, ah, okay. Back in the day, it was um, called. Terror at 35,000 feet. It William Shatner in the original one. Um, it's him that started oh, the original sort of episode of it. And it's the same idea. It's a gremlin on the wing. He's And everyone thinks he's crazy. But it's not a, a wartime thing. It's, a, it's not like a passenger jet. Um, oh, and he's sort of trying to warn everybody about the, the gremlin that's ripping apart the wing. And um, they ripped mm. off in The Simpsons. ripped off a lot of stuff. So it's, 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 well, it's a well-known sort of like trope of, of um, cinema now. And I'm assuming mm. the opening to 50 minutes to an hour, I thought were really good. It's, it's like a bubble it's like a bubble film. Essentially, it's, you're only dealing with her. You're dealing with her reaction to things. She's hearing things that they don't think she can hear. Um, she's trying not to sort of rally people up. But also at the same time, she's trying to get away. She's trying to understand what's going on. Um, and at this point, when it's just all dialogue heavy, it's really at its strongest. Once she gets out the the the, the torrent, which you knew had to happen eventually, because they can't have the whole film in there, it probably wouldn't last. That's when it became a bit less interesting. It became a bit silly, if that makes sense, you know, because this, there's a scene of an explosion in this that, that defies. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it if anybody wants to watch it, but yeah, it's that. But it gets to that point, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm losing interest at this point in time. Um, the effects are, are definitely a bit ropey. Um, it, mm. for large chunks um, but I think maybe that's budget has, has caused that more than anything else but they knew they had a limited budget so they try and keep it all as within basically within the plane as much as possible um, but it's it's fine it, it, it's it's passable straight to DVD Amazon Friday Night Entertainment you know it's, it's not yeah. I think people go in there expecting a sort of I think the trailer and the poster, in fact, sell it as a sort of an action movie like you know sort of like right. not, you know it's, it's that kind of thing it's not that because, like I said, literally for the first hour, it's just her. And all you see is her in the film, mm. and yet it's almost like you know buried, or it's like that when we watched Oxygen. It's, it's like that, you know. It's literally just her talking to people, and a lot of people's attention, I think, will you know waver on that depending on you know their, their willingness to go with that. But oh, I thought it was good. I thought it was, I thought it was well done. Um, silly at times. Um, I wanted to hate it because of whose name's attached to it, but I actually ended up quite enjoying it. So I'm going to give all the credit uh, to Rosanna Ling, uh, Lang, sorry, 
um, and let her take all the credit for it. And hopefully Max Landis contributed only that stupid explosion part to it, which was the dumbest part of the film. I think that's all he yeah. does in the film. Uh, well, let's just assume that that's what he done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really know the politics behind this movie in regards to Max and obviously Rosanna picking it up, but it's like pretty much if you're the director, your name should be on it and that's it. Oh, no, I, no, I mean, a, a writer has a place on the film. I just, I, I don't like the fact he still gets his work commissioned. Mm. You know, that's what annoys me because he should really be yeah. basically struck off and blacklisted in Hollywood for what he's done, but he's not. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, good writers okay. out there who, who can't get work produced, but this guy still keeps getting work produced and he'll get paid for this. I know, I know. He'll, he'll get there. Like, Hollywood's cutthroat, he'll get binned pretty quickly. Like, once all these projects that were already half green lit or whatever, like, once they are done, I think he'll get binned. I'd like to yeah. think so, but unfortunately, I do not think that is the case, because he's been, that's the, the story about him came out a long time ago, and it's still doing his work. Um, out of 10, what are you giving it? Uh, I was giving this one a solid seven again, only because, like I said, like we've just discussed, the first two thirds were spot on, Near the end, it started getting a wee bit silly, and then once they were out of the plane, it got just a wee bit too silly. Right. You know, I mean, plot is about, I mean, give it credit, well, under 90 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't hang about, you know. It doesn't hang about, yeah. Um, so major plaudits for that. I give it a six out of ten. It is completely dumb Friday night entertainment. Nice. Nice. Um, and the last film one is also on Amazon. It came out apparently in 2019, but I hadn't heard of until now. And I think maybe Amazon's picked it up and sort of pushed it a little bit more. Mm. And that's called Our Friend, uh, directed by Gabriella Cowperthwaite, who directed a film called Rex, and more famously, she directed the film Blackfish, the one about the oh, sea world. Yeah. yeah, so she's done yeah. that. And I'm always interested in directors who go from like documentary to um, like sort of fiction or sort of like narrative, because mm. it's, it's always a very yeah. different skill set, and, and it's very few people can actually do it well. Right, you know, like mm. you know, it's it's amazing. It's 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 actually quite a tough bridge to, to cross. Um, the plot of this film is it's set over like a many different time periods, like sort of like in a, in a, in a relationship. But essentially, um, there's three main characters. Two of them are married. One is a friend of theirs. The, the couple who are married, the the woman contracts cancer and she's she's going to die. And it's terminal. It's very close to the end. And he goes to live with them in order to sort of help out and sort of make sure that she's comfortable, make sure that the, the father helps out as well, make sure that sort of the, the kids are all raised right and it's sort of just basically being a support structure there. Um, at the same time, it jumps back and forth in time, showing like sort of how the relationship developed, how the sort of um, the unit of them as friends came together and the sort of struggles they've had in the past and what, and what how this, and you know, how this family essentially sort of, you know, come to be um, and the ups and downs that they all have. Um, in the film, you've got Jason Segal, Segal sorry. Um, he plays sort of the friend. Casey Affleck and Dakota Johnson play the married couple. And really, that's really it. There's not really much more of a cast in it. You know, there's a few people come popping in for a little bit, but the majority mm-hmm. of the film is just is them three. Um, yes. This, I, I really enjoyed this. Like, I really thought it was something. Um, mm-hmm. It was really personal, subtle drama. It never goes big. There's no real big moment in it. It's never like sort of trying to, yeah. either A, trying to glamorise death in any way and it's not trying to say you know you can kick this or, or, or anything like that it's sort of it's, it's very much telling a very what's and all story but doing it so it's, it's quite sanitizing you don't really see the, the real nastiness of what a terminal mm. illness can do but you do get the sense of how it can how it affects the relationships essentially um, yes and it is more about the relationships that these people have 
with each other and indeed with themselves um, mm. for large parts you know, on how they feel about themselves and how, and how they look upon themselves. Um, I thought all the performances were excellent, but I thought Jason Segel was absolutely amazing and I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, especially coming from, like, I've only ever known him from How I Met Your Mother. And, yeah, um, and Muppets. And, yeah, exactly. So it's more kind of like comedy style. So to see him playing this very straight-laced, very serious role, and he just he delivers on it, you know? He is funny. And, he, he does play, he plays a real person because he's, pers- he's a personality where he is, he is the funny uncle, essentially. So he does stuff like yeah, he is yeah. silly with the kids. Mm. But there's also such real real proper dramatic moments you know when he goes hiking mm. and stuff and then um, and he's talking that's like that's really painful to watch yeah yeah when he's, uh, sitting, that, when he's sitting in the car after it you know that's just it's so horrendous to watch i know i know this this movie was a tough watch uh, this afternoon for us it was like because i think it, as always with these kind of movies it's like it will always hit you in some sort of level yeah. you know and you do sit there, and obviously, like you do have these kind of thoughts every now and again. You do sit there and you think about shit. And like you said, this movie, it's good for not glamorizing it. Like, oh, there's a bucket list, and I'm going to yeah, 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 it. yeah. The, none of that fucking bullshit. Um, the only thing that we kind of thought about was um, the fact that you're not like it kind of goes on for years because of the way it kind of bounces back and forth and all that kind of thing. But you don't ever really see them like earning any money near like the end, at least in the last like year. So well, he sat there and go. No, but he says he's he's um the article he wrote is going to be into a movie. Mm. He wrote him. He wrote up after because he in it Casey Affleck's a writer. Yeah. And he says something on the lines of like, "Oh, this article I wrote is going to be made into a movie, and they paid me for that." So you're assuming that's where the money's coming from. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. Cool. I yeah. must have just. I must have just messed up, but yeah. but I it's as it such an interesting story, and then to discover at the end that it's actually kind of based on a uh-huh. a real life article that the the main character wrote is even better to the point uh-huh. where like I'm a once we're finished, I'm actually waiting to find the the actual like, article that you wrote, yeah. and I'm going to read it and just see what you said because I did turn to Stacey when he handed um. Jason's character, like the letter that he typed out, I was actually curious. I'm like, well, wonder what that letter said, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, it's it's just a such a great performance, and yeah. even the even right down to like the the moment when like the uh, Dakota's character and Casey's character are talking about right, when are we going to have to tell the kids? And it is like anyone that's got kids it must be like such a shit thing to sit there and think about like when are we going to say something to the to the kids you know about whatever you know like I, it's, anything it's, that's life-changing it's like when are we doing to do this it's when it's talking about like the the the, um, the doctors told us like certain things not to say so we don't give anyone any hope uh, that's really horrible like, don't say mummy's going for a sleep don't say mummy's going away or anything like you've got you've got you've almost got they've always got to be like sort of too clinical with it and sort of almost too harsh of it in order to drive it home to the kids what's happening because Again. in the movie the, the kids are still young I think like the oldest one at the time of when they're getting told aye something like that and the other one's a bit younger uh, but 
it's a uh, so they are still at like a young age where like you do need to unfortunately just rip that band-aid off yeah. and yeah it's uh, yeah but yeah it, it was a tough watch especially near the end for us yeah. uh, this afternoon but it was outside of that we just thought it was a fucking great movie and once again it's great to see fucking Casey Affleck just absolutely smashing it yeah you know? I mean, I am in a bit. Just sort becoming of, such a great fucking actor, you know. Yeah, I mean, I do have a double standard. Casey Affleck's got quite a dodgy past as well, so um, maybe we shouldn't be giving him too many points right now. So we have to, especially after ripping apart Max Landis. Um, but no, yeah. Affleck was it. I thought Casey Affleck was excellent. I thought Dakota Johnson, who I find a little bit dull a lot of the time, I don't mm. really think she get much going, like quite yeah. boring. I thought she brought something to it as well. I thought she actually was very. Um, yeah. So sort of subtle, and it, it was as she she played the role really well. She didn't. Um, hammer up in any way, which is something you do see they kind of hammer it up of the illness and stuff like that, which I feel yeah. you know sort of demeans it a little bit. Um, it is two hours long or over mm. two hours long, but I think I feel it, it does earn its running time, you know. No, it totally, totally. I feel like with the bouncing back and forth of the years and all that, I think just just over two hours is absolutely spot on. Aye. You know, it's quite a layered story because you start the stuff that happens really early on, it doesn't get paid off until much later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really have that, you know. It's like, you know, why would he go away? Why, you know, the fact that there's a point in where he has a, he has a chance to have an affair and doesn't, uh-huh. and then something happens later on, and then it's you know something will happen. Like one of the friends says, you know, he says to, to the friend, "Oh, wait, you see, over the next six months, everyone will disappear," mm. and then she goes, "No, not me. I'll be here for I'll be here for the full thing." And then all of a sudden, like what was it? Like it, it cuts away like, like half an hour later, forty minutes later. Mm-hmm. And she's not there, and he's, he's out driving. You see, they're at the play park with a friend, you know. And it's like Aye. that is, is a stuff that's just, it's just layered in there. So, that yeah, if you, if you told it in the right order, it wouldn't work quite as well. You need almost need these like reminders to try and push the story and then the impact of it more, yeah, 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 totally, man, totally. And I, I thought it worked really well. I'm sometimes not a huge fan of when like a uh, directors do this style where like they jump back and forth like yeah. years like quite a lot but for some uh, reason this movie just it seemed to just work you know no, I'm with you either definitely. I was just right in the right frame of mind actually yeah. pay attention to it <laughs> um, no I, I'm with you I, I'm the same if, if you sometimes time jumps don't really work for me if you're going back and forth in time I get I can get confused as to what where I am you know is this before the, I mean, they do make it quite obvious when it's before or after the illness, you know. But mm. um, yeah, I was I was actually all for it. I actually really enjoyed the way they, they structured this film. Um, out of ten, I'm giving it an eight out of ten. How about yourself? Nice, good, nice. I'm giving it a solid eight out of ten as well, man. Nice. So they'll say that is a film to watch this week. Amazing. It's out twenty nine. I was amazed that he didn't get any sort of like nominations or anything like that for it. It feels like it's a film that he should have. Jason Segel at least should have been nominated for. Mm. And like an Oscar or a BAFTAs or Golden Globe, it feels like it's, a, it's a amazing, it's a fantastic performance by him. Yeah, totally, man, totally. Like I said, he was like just one of the cast standout folk in this right. movie, for, you know. Because, like you said, we're yeah. so used to him being a comedian to see him do something, and like, this is amazing. But we shouldn't really be surprised like comedians do sub, do tend to be able to do drama better than dramatic actors can do comedy. You know, it's because. Yes. You know, you think of, like, Tom Hanks was a comedy actor to begin with. You know, he's coming mm-hmm. to what Tom Hanks says. Even people like, you know, Robin Williams was a comedy yeah. actor as well. And Will yeah. Ferrell's done really good um, straight stuff. Same way, like, Owen Wilson as well. Oh, um, who else? Thingy, um, the big guy. Um, oh, he's in Swingers, in Fred Claus. Vince Vaughn. Oh, yeah, Vince Vaughn, yeah. He does, he's done straight lace stuff. Well, and, you know, yeah. but you, you can't imagine, like, Tom Hardy doing comedy. No, no, no. You know, 
or like you know kind of like other really like sort of big actors who are like that you know doing you know doing comedy you know Kelly and Sheridan for example doing comedy or anything like you can't it's like I just don't think you'd have the, the chops to do comedy not your bad actors I think it's maybe just easier to tone yourself down than to try and raise yourself, yourself up and make yes. yourself have comedic timing you know agreed agreed that's an art form in itself, you know. Aye, no, hundred percent so, agreed, dude. Yeah, um, yeah. So definitely, our friend is definitely. It's on Amazon. You can watch it for free if you got Amazon. It's definitely worth a watch. Um, that's us for next this week. Next week, we have some interesting stuff. We've got at the cinema. I'm going to go and see Free Guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of people who don't ever, you know, <laughs> go anything but big, Ryan Reynolds, um, and Free Guy, which looks an interesting flick. Um, on Netflix, we've got a kind of like hostage. Um, political thriller one called Beckett, which is on Netflix. Um, so it's interesting. And also on Netflix, we have a very cutesy, lovable animated kids movie called Vivo, which looks very light and fluffy and, and wonderful. So yeah, so we've got all them next week. And anything else we, we, we care to meander through and watch over the next week. But um, as, we'll, as we'll find, as cinemas start to reopen and start to like, show more, I feel like over the last sort of month or so, two months, Cinemas have been open, but the, the, the choice of content has been quite limited. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to find that balance of bums on the seats and also just, you know, having a choice as well, I've noticed. Yeah, you know? there seems to be a lot of, they're, they're going with the big hitters, which totally makes sense to me. They want to try bums on seats, but also they're staying in, maybe the bums on seats, big hitters are staying in for longer than they should do. And a lot of these sort of small films are not getting the same level of release that they sort of they should do. So it's kind of hard to find a good sort of mix of content right now. It's really just big hitters at cinema. Um, we'll tell folk where to find us. All the usual social media haunts at Three Deals in a Movie. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's great, man. So for this week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry. You've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.